The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 150th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, later in the show, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, Abama Magazine. My highlight of the week was the NBA and NHL playoffs. Uh, Kind of a mixed bag of exciting endings and blowouts. Uh, I'll start with the NBA. Uh, Basically... LeBron and D. Wade taking over the fourth quarter of Game 2 against the Indiana Pacers. Uh, Impressive stuff. It was there for the taking for the Pacers at home to go up 2-0. But as they have done in the past, LeBron and D. Wade just simply took over, particularly LeBron. No surprise, I saw it before in Game 6 against Boston. A few years ago, I covered that game in person at the Garden and That was the night, in my mind, that the real LeBron James was born. Uh, He took over that game, and we—it's been nothing but championships ever since. So, it just made me think that you know, although Indiana's game and clearly has recovered to some degree from whatever malaise they were in for the past three, four months. Uh, including the first two rounds of the playoffs. They seem to be past it. The heat brings out the best in them, actually. But it also led me to conclude that, you know, it feels like the heat can pretty much turn it on, especially LeBron, when they absolutely positively have to uh, see game six against San Antonio in the finals last year when they pulled out the miracle comeback with 28 seconds to go. They were down, I think, five. So... Uh, still interesting viewing, but the Heat have now officially wrestled home court advantage from, uh, from the Pacers since game seven in Miami last year, when the Pacers lost to the Heat, they've been on a mission for home court to hold game seven in Indiana 
Maybe they will, but now they don't hold the cards like they worked all year to get. The other series, the Western Conference Finals, and we're seeing it in hockey as well, you know, injury. Serge Ibaka, uh, obviously not Kevin Durant or Russell Westbrook, but uh, protecting the rim and him being out with that calf injury has simply changed everything. Spurs are a great team. I'm not taking anything away from the Spurs, but, you know, prior to the Ibaka injury, I think we were all pretty excited for uh, what would be a great series, i.e. the Spurs have played better than any team all year long, uh, but yet the Thunder have seemed to have their number a little bit. So that was just shaping up to be a monumental series, and instead what we've got in San Antonio are just two big-time blowouts. So depressing when you're, you know, sitting there watching, excited, what have you, and it's 30-point lead, you know, in the, uh, in the third quarter. So, again, it's just uh, depressing to have these injuries taking their toll. And speaking of injuries, let's switch over to the hockey playoffs. Carey Price, uh, one of the best goaltenders in the business, and who I witnessed through seven games basically steal the series from the Bruins, not to in any way uh, cast a negative light. The Canadians earned it as opposed to maybe stealing it. But uh, when a goalie stands on his head like he did, then uh, the phrase stealing it is often used, and that's why I used it. But uh, so the Rangers went up. New York Rangers took the first two in Montreal. You're just thinking it's over. Returning for game three to New York. I watched last night, and New York had a lead, and you did think, you know, that it was over. Uh, That's it. We got a sweep coming. But the Canadians uh, and Danny Briere, a name that we know well here in Boston from uh, when he led the Flyers on their th- comeback from down three games to none, three nothing in the seventh game to beat the Bruins a few years back. Uh, he scored what appeared to be the winning goal with about three minutes to go. And then the Rangers, and what was as exciting as it gets, uh, they pulled their goalie. Henrik Lundqvist, world-class goalie. Talk about standing on your head. And they score, you know, so they have an empty net, and they score the tying goal with 28 seconds to go. It was awesome. Awesome to watch. So you think, okay, well, that, that's it. Canadians' last gas, and then they come out and basically score a fairly easy, very surprising goal against Lundqvist a mere minute or two into overtime. So we got a series there. And then on the other series, Western Conference Finals, uh, similar. Blackhawks have a lead, and you just think, all right, that's it. You know, they're going to go up 2-0. It's just game two at home in Chicago. And then the Kings, you talk about come roaring back. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen this. Five goals in the third period in Chicago. That was just remarkable, and Chicago clearly had their number. The statistics were amazing uh, how dominant. They were, the Blackhawks were over the Kings. So, uh, so we got a series there too. 1 1 heading to LA for tomorrow night. So, uh, it's going to be interesting. So, we'll have to see if, uh, <clears throat> you know, what teams can survive. In other words, can Oklahoma, I think is the big question, can they win game three or for that matter, game four? Can they win a home game or is that just going to be, 
a sweep, and I think it's going to be a sweep. But they have a, they, they still have a pulse. Uh, we shall see what happens. So that moves into my low light of the week, which was the Cleveland Cavaliers winning the NBA lottery the other night, the number one pick. Uh, up here in Boston, there was a lot of excitement that the Celtics would be at least in the top three. They ended up number six, which apparently was exactly where they were supposed to end up, according to all the analytics. Um, so the Celtics and lotteries do not go together, period. That's, uh, that's obvious. They lost out on Tim Duncan. They lost out on uh, Kevin Durant, Greg Oden sweepstakes back in the day, and uh, now they've lost out on this one, so... But it's the Cavaliers. I think it's whatever their fourth, first, number one pick in the last X number of years. And it just is uh, depressing. And I'm not speaking as that as from someone who lives in Boston from a Celtic point of view. It's just like, it just feels all too familiar. And they shocked the world last year with that number one pick out of, I believe, UNLV. I can't even remember his name. That tells you all you need to know about his rookie year. Obviously, they did well with Kyrie Irving. Uh, they did pretty good with LeBron <laughs> a few years ago when they had it, hometown boy. But the whole thing just seemed, uh, you know, simply anticlimactic, for lack of a better way of saying it. Um, you know, everybody was curious as well to see how the Lakers, like the Celtics, where, where would they end up? They were right behind the Celtics at number seven. But again, just, you know, it's all too familiar and frankly, all too unexciting. And that leads into my bizarre story of the week, which was Landon Donovan being left off the U.S. soccer national team, the World Cup team headed to Brazil soon. And basically, the analogy I make, it's like Tiger Woods being left off the Ryder Cup team. It, it just can't get any more shocking. Uh, it is the he is Landon Donovan, the face of U.S. soccer. I've had the pleasure to interview him with other media uh, members after some uh, U.S. soccer games, specifically against uh, uh, Spain a couple years ago up here at Gillette Stadium, and uh, was very impressed with him. And he is, uh, again, he's the face of U.S. soccer. But it's been equally obvious that uh, he and Coach Jurgen Klingsman just have not hit it off from day one. And, you know, Landon took the sabbatical that may have, in the end, done him in. So it's just, uh, it's just really a problem um, to not have him there. I mean, he scored one of the biggest goals in U.S. World Cup history when, uh, when he got in a quarterfinal, when he got him to the next round a couple, back in four years ago. So, you know, I'm going to miss him. Uh, but again, it was uh, just not a shock. Surprising, yes. A shock, no, because... He and Klinsman just simply have not, uh, you know, gotten too, gone along too well for whatever reason. 
So we shall see the U.S. World Cup team without Landon Donovan. It just seems shocking. And again, I reiterate, it's like watching the Ryder Cup without Tiger Woods. It's going to be very strange. But clearly, what it says to me in the end is that Klinsman, who, by the way, signed a contract extension, he is signed through the next World Cup. So he had no fears in making a hugely controversial move like this about job security. Um, maybe he is once and for all making the break from the previous, you know, U.S. soccer team as we've known it, and they certainly haven't gone as far as we all would like in the World Cups. And this is it. This is the great. This is the great break once and for all. And uh, and he's just moving forward to build what he hopes will be an eventual World Cup champion. So now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam had the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing very well, John. Thank you very much. Great. Uh, glad to hear that. And we talked about this at the end of last week's show, but yesterday... Uh, new College Football Hall of Fame class was elected, and we'll certainly uh, 
talk about who was elected, but uh, why don't we talk about who wasn't elected? Uh, did any names that were excluded jump jump off jump out at you? Well, John, you know there was uh, three Heisman Trophy winners: uh, Ricky Williams, running back at Texas; uh, Nebraska wow. quarterback Eric Crouch, and uh, running back from Colorado, Rashawn Salam. Wow, that is uh, an impressive group right there. Ricky Williams, of course, being, you know, really the headliner. I mean, he was a legend in college. There's no other way to say it. We all remember that Mike Ditka gave up the entire New Orleans Saints draft to get him, which tells you all you need to know about his college football career. Uh, and an offbeat character, to put it mildly, to say the least. I mean, he, he's been part of the American consciousness for a couple of decades at least. And that, to me, instantly says, you know, College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, so, yeah, that, that that's surprising to me. Yeah, John. He, I mean, he surpassed Tony Dorsett at the time. So that was a, a number of years after uh, Tony set the record in 1976, I think, and Ricky set it in 1998. Most rushing yards ever? Most rushing yards ever in college football at that, that level. So wow. I mean, and uh, that's huge. You know, a good, a good player for four years at Texas, and he's somebody you'll never forget. And he set that record on Thanksgiving. I think it was like that Friday when they had that Texas A yep. and M Texas game. I remember so that. I remember Brent Musburger making the call. Yes, exactly. That, that that's a moment. That's a moment that we all remember. Um, I grew up, you know, in Western Pennsylvania, and I. Uh, uh, went to basically every one of Tony Dorsett's home games in the fabulous 1976 undefeated national championship year. And, you know, that, that was the year I took off going to Penn State games because we had a lot more going on at Pitt Stadium. <laughs> so, you know, that was meaningful to me. Right. You know, because I, I enjoyed saying I basically went to, you know, all of Dorsett's senior ga- senior year games, and he was the great, you know, the best rusher ever. So I, I you know, it's a little sad when Ricky Williams said it. I mean, I didn't begrudge him, but I'm just saying uh, that's why I remember it so well. Yeah, yeah, and you I mean Ricky Williams, John? He's had a school of with Earl Campbell, and he he left the school with 46 school records. Wow! At a place where Earl Campbell was a running back. Yeah, uh, equally a legend. You know, at Texas, I mean, um, really just un- un- unbelievable, that, you know, that he was left off. Uh, I-, I know you know this voting and college football, obviously, is right in your wheelhouse. It's what you do. You cover Alabama. Do you, what's your take on it? Like, why do you think this happened? John, you know, that I think it's a mystery that at least not one of those three was voted on. And, and I'm thinking that, you know, maybe he hasn't been gone enough from the sport because if you look at some of the other candidates, uh, but, I, but I have to say that LaDainian Tomlinson was right around that era and he was elected. There you go. Good uh, example. It, but one of the other factors, John, about this process uh, for your audience, you can elect three players from a school and not in and not counting one coach. So perhaps, and I think this is the case in Ricky's uh, situation, 
there's a, a couple other Texas players on the list, on the ballot. I, I saw one at least, so the vote is not diluted. Right. Whereas maybe at TCU, they only nominated LaDainian Tomlinson and, and promoted his candidacy. Well, you know, I'm going to make a little departure here from the specific topic to say, you know, that might not be the case anytime soon with Texas because, and I want to get your take on this, you know, it was shocking enough that no player from Texas was drafted, which you and I talked about on the show in the last week or two. But what I heard this week that was equally shocking in my mind was Texas did not get one recruit from what I believe was the top 100 recruits in the state of Texas uh, coming out of high school. Um, That is just, you know, you talk about a, you know, double whammy to one of the most storied programs in college football history, you know, happening like two weeks apart. That's incredible. I mean, that just is such an indictment on the current program. No, nobody drafted and the future program, if you will, no top 100 recruits from the state of Texas, which they always owned. That's stunning. Yeah, that's a one-two punch, John. I don't know what your counter move is. It is. Obviously, this was Charlie Strong's, you know, uh, first first time out of the box. You know, I, I, I don't know if it's good, bad, if you can excuse it. I was in... Austin, Texas, literally the day he was hired, the day he, and, you know, which was like January 4th. And, uh, you, you know, to say it was a gigantic story, mostly good, a little bad. We remember that. So there were some booster issues there. But, you know, is this, you know, this stuff so well, AP. I mean, is this all on Charlie Strong? I mean, that this didn't well, happen, or is he a trying lot of to establish. To, to overcome and, um, you know, Charlie, he's, he's been at some top programs around the country, but at Louisville, he didn't get those number one recruits, and he built a strong program. So, you know, I guess down the road he can say, look, we, you know, we were looking for, you know, top-level talent, come to the University of Texas, and then he's still going to continue his normal uh, searching for players with uh, athletic ability that he can develop. So, yeah. you know, maybe he'll take that approach. Um, but he'll, he'll probably get his share down the road. He's got to overcome some of that the cloud with the, that uh, was there when Mac Brown was uh, departing. Yeah, I mean, do you think he just came in too late, AP? Like where, you know, in that state more probably than any other state that, you know, these these commitments are the result by these high school kids are the result of two, three, four, maybe even more years of just relationship building that Charlie obviously had no shot at doing. I mean, he was the Louisville coach until you know January fourth, so he showed up literally less than five months ago. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think so, John. I think that's that's probably the case with some of these younger kids. They like to be romanced, most of them. Correct. So I, I believe that that was a, a contributing factor to why he, he ended up he didn't end up with any of those top level players. So you know he's probably he's shown to be a good recruiter, and I'm sure he's going to do fine. And like I always tell everybody, it's not the ones that that you didn't sign; it's the ones that you sign and can't play that get you fired. There you go. Well said. And by the way, it just bears mentioning that. Uh, you know, Louisville had a few people drafted, including, obviously, Teddy Bridgewater. 
So, you know, Charlie Strong knows how to recruit NFL talent. Um, so that's not the issue. Uh, no, no, but, yeah, and he could point to those players selected. Up with, maybe it was even three in the first round this year, John, right? The safety went to the Jets and Bridgewater. Right. There was one other one. I think you're absolutely right about that. So that's that's a pretty strong credential to bring into someone's house and to you know tell their that they're recruiting their parents and guardians and things. Yeah, it really is, you know, and it's just again, it's it's beyond strange. I mean, you know, you almost think out of the top 100 high school players in Texas, you're going to get five almost by default, whether they're yeah. the sons of former Texas players or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just cousin or, yeah, their uncle played there, aunt went to school there, someone. Yeah, or even, you know, kids that maybe, you know, uh, were good players, but, you know, for whatever reason didn't even have relationships or weren't being, re- you know, weren't being recruited by the other schools, you know, the quote, the ones who fall through the cracks yeah, are yeah. still in the top 100. I mean, again, it's like, it almost seems hard to believe. Like you're going to get a few simply by being Texas for no other reason. Yeah. So that, that is just makes it again, even doubly strange. Like again, you, you know, you couldn't do this if you tried. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. You set out. You had a plan to to, to uh, achieve that goal. You could. That's right. But you know, John, maybe it's a it's of uh, something of this. Uh, you know, these younger this younger generation where they react immediately. Bingo. Good point. But, yeah, you know, I mean, for all we know, on January fourth or whatever day, Mac Brown. It was decided was moving on, which was really mid-December. Everybody knew the game in the Alamo Dome was his last game. Maybe during that two, three-week stretch, you know, uh, basically everybody just said, that's it. You, you know, there's just no way we're going there, and it didn't matter who they hired. Um, I mean, Char- Char- I believe Charlie Strong will prove to be a good hire. He's not controversial to a degree that – Anybody who was was thinking of there going there would not go there. I think it, it just had to be the uncertainty. And you're right. I think they just every all these high school kids just wrote Texas off as too much, you know, too much uncertainty. Yeah, they they react to the popularity of the moment. Yeah, not to mention, and you make a good point. You know, in this day and age, you know, Facebook All Star Games, you know, in Texas, that's seven on seven program they have going out there you know all these kids talk obviously they're they're you know so it's almost like you know i'm going to throw out the word but i you know not in a sinister way like a conspiracy if you will where you know all these kids just basically through they're getting to know each other and things like that which they do nowadays you know collectively just decided you know, all wrote Texas off, so to speak, and just almost just took them out of the consciousness of of this year's recruiting. Yeah, and they they've known each other, you know, John, probably since they were some of them, you know, maybe since they were sophomores or something in high school. They've been to these those different camps and things, so they have a long relationship themselves, and they and they, you know, converse about different things, and I'm sure they bring up different schools. That's it. Bingo. And, you know, and then the rise of, you know, it's not just Texas falling. It's also the, you know, the equally impressive rise of Baylor and Texas A&M 
you know, rising up, uh, you know, and, uh, you, you know, you can even throw in an SMU or given where they were to where they are now and on and on and on. I mean, Texas is such fertile ground, but it is, uh, it's stunning. You know, it would have been the equivalent of, you know, when Urban Meyer left Florida, uh, you know, like the Florida wouldn't get any of the top 100 players, you know, Gainesville. Uh, you know, with the two equally strong programs, if you will, Miami and Florida State in the same state, uh, i.e. Baylor and Texas A&M. And again, even Texas Tech. I mean, th- there's a lot of schools in Texas, obviously. I mean, I forgot Texas Tech. They're a major player. And Oklahoma right across the border. Yeah, and, and then you have Oklahoma State on the rise. I mean, there's, there's, there's yeah. so many options now, John. And LSU Correct. on the other side and... and uh uh, so it, it's a little bit different than years past where when you looked at a school, you're, you're, the question you might ask is, well, can they win a championship? And the immediate answer was no. But some of these other places, well, they're in the mix now, you know, especially when you have these four teams and you don't have to win every game. And they've shown that they can rise to the top. Absolutely. Well, I guess the best way I can sum it up as we head to the break, AP, is this. If this was a bet in Vegas, if you had the opportunity to place a bet that nobody, no Texas player would ever be, would be drafted in this year's NFL draft, nobody would take that bet. No, they wouldn't. And separately, if you had a bet that Texas would not get one of the top 100 players in Texas, nobody would take that bet. And if you parlayed the two, nobody, and I mean nobody, the odds would be so astronomical, uh, you know, like a plow horse winning the triple crown uh, or (laughs) Clydesdale nobody would ever in a million years like imagine it so with that said you know that's how that's how unlikely it is and why you know we just spent a few minutes talking about it because it is beyond imagination that this could have occurred if you'd have said this to somebody a month ago they would have never ever believed it Agreed. Agreed. So, uh, with that said, why don't we take our break, and on the other side, we'll talk about who was elected into the College Football Hall of Fame yesterday. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. On the Voice America Sports Channel, the talk doesn't get any hotter. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. 
Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., as we touched on in the previous segment, the College Football Hall of Fame, uh, new inductees were announced yesterday, and I'll pick the name that jumped off the list at me that made me the happiest, and I, I think I know which name you would pick, but uh, mine was, you know, Shane Conlon of Penn State, no surprise, I grew up half an hour from Beaver Stadium, and, uh, you know, he was the anchor of the defense that uh, beat Miami in the 1986 National Championship game, Paterno second, and uh, so I was just glad to see that, Shane Conlon, and again, who were you happiest about? I think I know, but I'll let you say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, yeah, the initials are DT, and for those right. folks that don't know it, that's Derek Thomas, the sack master, uh, you know, from the Miami area and played for the University of Alabama. So I was really glad that he uh, made that list this year, and he, as I say, set the record for sacks. We threw that number around many times on this show, 52 career sacks and 27 in senior year, 18 as a junior You. Those numbers were all over the Twitter yesterday. Uh, but, you know, we've talked about it many times. So I was really glad for Derek and his family. They'll get a chance to smile. And well-deserved. He is the headliner of this class, i.e., I'll just say, you know, when the Boston Globe had a little blurb in today about the new inductees, that was the one they said, as in, you know, Derek Thomas headed the new class of inductees, blah, blah, blah. So... And I agree, he is, you know, I look at the list right in front of me, and, you know, he is the name that really jumps out at me. Uh, so, again, long, you know, much deserved and long overdue, I believe, right? Oh, yeah, and John, you know, for those folks who are not familiar with the process, you know, the school must nominate the candidates. Okay. And sometimes you have to wait your turn uh, so the last time, the last player from Alabama to get in was Marty Lyons a few years back. And, this, you know, Derek wasn't nominated until 2011. So <clears throat> that maybe that's the reason that it took a little while. You know, some of the, sometimes those facts are not presented in the story. So you're always wondering, you know, why is so-and-so not in the Hall of Fame? Well, you have to manage that selection process. The, the school does, and, you know, they, they made the decision to promote someone else's candidacy, and so it might take a little longer for certain players to be inducted. Yes, and speaking quickly of Marty Lyons, I think I may have seen in the last day or two that he was nominated or named the recipient of another pretty impressive award just this week, maybe the the Jefferson Humanitarian Award or something to that effect. Are you familiar with that? Um, I didn't see that, John. It's funny. I usually come across those things, but 
<clears throat> but Marty, if you look at his background, I think he's been man of the year almost 20 times for different organizations. He has this Make-A-Wish make a type foundation where he helps all these kids who have uh, all these terminal illnesses. And he, he's always, he's done that for, I think it's about three decades now. So he, he's always on the list for people are looking to give those type of humanitarian awards. He, he won the Heisman Trophy Humanitarian Award some years ago. Oh, okay. Well, again, you know, I work for NFL Player Engagement. I'm a writer, and, uh, you know, I, I think uh, so. I, I think it was through their website that maybe I came across it just within the past 48 hours. But um, I know you think highly of Marty. We've often talked about that on and off the show. So, anyway, moving on. Um, you know, other just great names, and I love seeing these lists. Um, you know, Sterling Sharp uh, out of South Carolina. You know, great to see him. And speaking of player engagement, Ladanian Tomlinson from TCU was uh, elected yesterday, and I just wrote a story on him for NFL player engagement just a few weeks back. So uh, for a program he's doing... Uh, out in San Diego on, you, you know, entrepreneurship, uh, you know, business. So he he's turned into a pretty big success uh, after football, which, of course, NFL player engagement is all about. And uh, so, yeah, so he's going to talk to some uh, former players, a symposium, if you will, conference about uh, – how to succeed in business after your playing career, basically. So, so he's doing well, and I'm sure he was a happy man yesterday. Yeah, and John, those things are considered your your uh, career after football. That's part of the application process. Aha! Uh-huh. Wow. So that, that that's good to know. Yeah, Maybe that's so, why Ricky wasn't elected. Back to our earlier point. Um, we all know about what's happened uh, since his Texas career and certainly Dolphin career. Although he's got it back together now and, you know, uh, played well at the end there. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, one, one of the guys I was happy for to see on that list was Willie Rofe, uh, yes. great offensive tackle from Louisiana Tech. Yes, and, and he went on to... Uh, Great career with the Kansas City Chiefs as an offensive lineman. Is he in the Hall of Fame? He is in the Pro yeah, Football re- Hall of Fame. He was recently inducted. It might have been last year, the year before, but in the last two exactly. years. Absolutely. Okay. I had that right. And speaking of offensive linemen, uh, you know, just another great one is, uh, you know, Tony Baselli out of Southern California. I mean, he comes as close as you can get to being a household name as an offensive lineman. Uh, you know, when he was in college, he was the man and first ever pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Is that correct? Yes, he sure was. And he, yeah, he was terrific. He was terrific through his pro career as well. And a, and a great college, uh, player, you know, and, uh, also he was a scholar athlete too. So he had the credentials on and off the field. Yes. Yes. Uh, now one name, you know, jumped out at me and not so much the name but you know where he went because i'm up here in new england was john Eward, linebacker from maine in the 1960s long before i ever came to new england uh 
Are you familiar with his career at all? I mean, you know this stuff better yeah, than you know, John, most anybody. I was anybody. not familiar with his career, and the name just jumped right out at me. Okay, me too. Yeah, Maine. I mean, there's. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say there probably aren't a lot of Maine players inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. No, he. I believe they said that he was the first. Okay. All right. Well, you know, we'll have to check that out. I'm going to look that up. I didn't have time before the show, but, you know, uh, I found it very interesting. Uh, another name that, you know, I do remember and recognized immediately, uh, and you'll know this, SEC, you know, Wesley Wallace. I mean, maybe it's just something about the, kind of a, a bit of a catchy name that stuck with me, but, you know, I remember him well. Yeah, and, you know, John, he was a good, a, a big, strong, tall, tight end. And he played defense sometimes, so they put him in there to rush the passer. Really? Okay. Yeah. They, wow. Matter of fact, the highlight they showed yesterday was against Alabama. I remember that game because uh, they came over there and shut Alabama out, and he was at the defensive end position. He sacked the quarterback. And that uh, game in Alabama history for uh, noted for they ne- didn't complete a pass that day. Alabama didn't, did not complete a pass that day. And Ole Miss shut him out. I think it was homecoming, too. That, that's like Texas. You couldn't do that if you tried. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Go yeah. through a game and not complete a pass unless you're going back to the Newt Rockney era. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So he was a two-way player in, in the modern era, which is very rare, as you know. And he was also a national scholar athlete, so he wow. was quite, quite the ball player. Yeah, no, another name I remember well again, John Shara, quarterback of UCLA. You know, I'm, I'm one of those people that, you know, Appointment television once a year for me is the USC-UCLA game. It just is. You know, I just go back to the days of, you, you know, of O.J. Simpson and beyond, you know, just, right. again, appointment viewing. When that game's on, like the Army-Navy game, you, you watch it, period. And oh. uh, but So I remember John Shar pretty well. John, what I remember is he was with Dick Vermeil at UCLA, and they had played Ohio State, I believe it was out in California during the regular season. And they okay. were annihilated, you know, beaten quite handily. And then the Rose Bowl matchup was a repeat of those two teams. Mm-hmm. And I okay. think oh, uh, Ohio State might have been number one, and UCLA upset them. Wow. Um, in the Rose Bowl. In the Rose Bowl. Yes. Did. And they had met earlier that year. Yeah, met earlier. And, and, and Ohio State demoralized them, I believe, you know, big score, and then uh, sure. UCLA came back to beat them. Sure. Well, a couple other names that jumped out at me were, you know, Dre Bly, just a name I recognize out of North Carolina, as well as, you know, Dave Butts, maybe more for his pro career, but defensive tackle out of Purdue, which is, you know, just had great players through their history, so... Yeah. Yeah, big, big felt big man. You know, he he was one of those guys that played in that era where the the players. You know, if you were two hundred fifty pounds, you were enormous. Correct. He, you know, he Bingo. was. I think you know six 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 seven something like that. Big player. And then I remember his. I think his uncle or something was Earl Butts, the secretary of the agriculture. Oh, right. Of course, I didn't know he was his uncle, but I certainly remember the name. Yeah, related some way. Related. I think it was his uncle. Interesting, interesting. Well, it's a fascinating list. Um, But right now, why don't we take our break? And uh, we have lots more to talk about on the other side. (laughs) 
your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And before we get started, my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is, again, the conference finals in both the NBA and NHL. And uh, much needed because I believe this is the first day slash night since they started, as in, in the last month or so, where there is no NBA or NHL game to watch. So I don't know what I'll do, but I'll have to muddle through without uh, without a playoff game tonight. <laughs> and let me also throw in the Indianapolis 500, which runs uh, this weekend. Hard to believe it's Memorial Day weekend, by the way. Um, so it's early this year. But, you know, when, uh, when I covered the Super Bowl a couple years ago in Indianapolis, the media party, the Tuesday night before the Super Bowl, was held at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which was, for me, you know, a bucket list item of places I wanted to see. I'd like to see the race someday, but it was an incredible evening. I I literally stood on the finish line, stood beside the famous trophy. Um, The whole scene is incredible, Uh, and there'll be a quarter million people there on Sunday. Need I say more? It's, it's, It's definitely something I'd like to see more after it having been to the venue. So, have you ever been there or ever been to a car race, AP? No, no, I never have. I always wanted to attend one, uh, either, you know, the one in Indianapolis or Talladega in Alabama. And the only advice that I know about racing, John, was from Abe Levins, the old basketball coach, University of Texas, Oklahoma City. He just said, keep to your left, get back as quick as you can. (laughs) Well, it does conjure up for me what I, I think is the greatest line, maybe next to Grantland Rice writing, you know, against the blue-gray October sky, the four horsemen rode again back in like the 1920s, uh, maybe the greatest sports lead in journalism history. But number two in my book is uh, the, the, the fabulous Jim Murray of the Los Angeles Times when he writing about car racing his opening line was gentlemen start your coffins <laughs> and that to me is again one one a on the greatest sports leads uh, leads in sports journalism writing history so uh, but here's the best way i could describe you know 
the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's its own city. It literally, literally is its own city. And by that, I mean it's called, it's in what's called Speedway, Indiana. It is its own city. I'll never forget getting off the exit on the media bus. And there it was. We're like, you know, welcome to Speedway. Like, it's its own city. (laughs) Um, That's all you need to know about the size of the track is an understatement complex is really an understatement it's you know it's vast to put it mildly (laughs) we kept going in deeper and deeper and i kept thinking is that it you know is that the speedway we're seeing all these buildings and stuff and i mean we drove a long time inside the gates to get to what was the ultimately like the tower you know the finish line the building the main part of it incredible you know its own zip code its own bingo. Well said. Its own zip code. Uh, and again, I, I did. I, I would love to go there. Maybe the coolest thing about it is when you're right at the finish line and the party was at the finish line, literally in, in like the tower that you know overlooks it, which is like six floors high. Uh, looks sort of like an airport control tower, for lack of a better way of saying it. Right. But... You look left, you look right, and it's just the track is not that wide. And you are just looking, as far as the eye can see, at bleachers. And I mean really tight, really high. And it's just like there's just this like funnel, almost like a bobsled track right down the middle that is the track. And I talk to people there who go to the race every year and have throughout their life that night. And they said, there is nothing in sports whatsoever that touches either the begin the roar from the crowd, which is, again, the whole crowd's a quarter million. I'm guessing, I have no idea, but if I had to guess, uh, something that sounds like seventy-five to 100,000 are right in this stretch. Oh. And they said the, the roar when the race begins, and, of course, when the race ends, the winner crosses the finish line, is it's the best thing in sports. And I, I, I could believe it after seeing what I saw that night. Yeah, I, I'd have to... I, I, I have to experience that sometime uh, because I've never been to a race, and I might as well go to the best one. That's exactly going across America. Bingo! Why well, go to that one? You don't have to go to any others. That's for sure. No, no, you can make the trip. John, when you were there, did uh, Jim Neighbors sing back home and in again in no. India? <laughs> you know, I wish he would. And it's funny; I've been hearing the ad all week on like ESPN Radio. You know, and uh, and hey, I I. I I grew up watching Gomer Powell, I'll admit it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a big fan. Oh, uh, hey, John, he's an Alabama fella, and he graduated from the University of Alabama, and he's we've known about him for years. We always applauded everything he did. That's why we bring you on. I did not know that. that that's yeah, added to the list of great trivia facts that you've <laughs> given us on this show, because uh, Jim Neighbors is truly a part of Americana. There is no other way to say it. Yeah, he's great. I, we, we had a chance to see him at least once, if not twice. And, uh, you know, for those people who haven't, he's he's great, great singer. Oh, great singer, which, you know, even even back in the days of Gomer Powell, when he played Gomer Powell, need I say more, that, you know, people <laughs> knew people knew that he was this fabulous singer. And he was also, you know, spent some time on uh, the Andy Griffith show there, Mayberry RFD and all that good stuff, so... <laughs> Jim Neighbors is an American icon, period. There is no other way to say it. Yeah, and, and, and I was just reading that said he's going to sing there for the last time. It's it. You're kidding? This Sunday? Yeah, that's what it said, yeah. 
I did not know that, but I, I guess I'm not shocked. Uh, none of us are getting any younger, but, uh, well, there you go. I was going to tune in anyway. Now I, I will, again, make it a point, appointment television to watch him sing. Yeah, the, the, uh, the, thir- the 35th time. Wow. Well, that's great. That is, that is really good stuff. Uh, you know, I just loop, want to loop back here to the, uh, you know, College Football Hall of Fame. We, we, we talked about the new inductees elected yesterday. Uh, we, we talked about a lot of them, but were there any others that you wanted to touch on at all? Yeah, you know, one guy that stood out, another, another one was the uh, Darren Nelson halfback from Stanford. He, you know, he rushed for 1,000 yards, and he caught 50 passes in, in one season. He was the first player in NCAA history to ever accomplish that feat. So he was had that dual threat, you know, really good uh, running back and four time all all conference pick. So he was a, he was a great player at Stanford. And it's funny, uh, John. I was the first time I ever visited Stanford Stadium. We were taking a walk around the track, and he was working out. Wow! Really? Yeah, it's way back in eighty uh, two, I believe it was. And I've been to Stanford Stadium, uh, which is a really cool place before they refurbished it. You know, and they, remember, they held a Super Bowl there in like 1984, Dolphins 49ers. And uh, so, it, again, it seats whatever, 80, 90, 100,000 before, again, they recently refurbished it. But uh, it, a cool place surrounded by, you know, the pine trees and everything. I, I loved it. Oh, yeah, if somebody dropped you on earth and left you there and said you could never leave, it, that'd be a pretty good spot. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't want to get too far off the sports track here, but the Stanford University campus is really special, and that stadium and its setting is, you know, particularly special. Not unlike the Rose Bowl, by the way. You, you know, just something about those California stadiums with the hills and everything around that just make it, you know, and the, the trees just make them really unique to put it mildly yeah yeah the backdrop of those stadiums is very unique i mean even at cal berkeley it's the same thing as those mountains yes and, and you and that, can see them surrounding the stadium and there's nothing like it yes another good example i've been to the coliseum as well uh in los angeles that was really impressive i mean you know they, hold, they held the olympics there they built it to hold the olympics there and i think the 1930s but uh yeah, well, that's interesting, Darren Nelson. Um, I'm trying to think. Was was he there around the time of? Uh, he came after Jim Plunkett, right? Yes, yes. He yeah. uh, Jim Plunkett won the Heisman Trophy in '70, and Darren was there '77, uh, '78. Okay, maybe got hurt or something, and he played '80, '81 as well. All right. Um, yes, that's right. Yeah, because Randy Vataha was. Plunkett's uh, yeah, that was his sidekick, main right? receiver. And by the way, Randy Vataha is, for anybody who might be wondering, very successful uh, uh, sports business agent up here uh, in the Boston area to this day. He played, of course, for the Patriots. Um, very, very successful, to put it mildly. So uh, <laughs> add him to the list of successful Stanford grads, right? <laughs> yeah, that's un- under the category, what else is new? There you go. There you go. Well, hard to believe and uh, that we're at the end of the show yet again. Um, it was a great one. Again, you and I 
have talked uh, before about this College Football Hall of Fame. I remember when we talked about it a year ago. It, it's a fascinating subject. And what's interesting is simply that you'll know this. Is this going to be the first class ever to be inducted into the new location for the College Football Hall of Fame, which is moving from South Bend down to Atlanta? Yes, that's true, John. I'm glad you brought that point up. Sure is. I thought so. I thought so. Is that opening this fall, do you know? or Yeah, this fall... Uh should I think I think it's this fall to open up and uh, you know it's supposed to open up a few years ago but they had some trouble with the financing and things but should should be opening up this uh, this fall right in the heart of SEC country where the SEC championship game is played every year so oh uh, yeah it's it's right in the middle of the, they'll they they'll try to hold it on the Labor Day weekend which is when they have sometimes two football games two neutral site uh, big matchup games. So that that'll bring the crowds and people get you know they'll get a lot of exposure. Yes. Well, if it can't be in South Bend, you know the next best place in my mind, it might as well be in you know the heart of SEC country. So I think it's a good choice. Yeah, excellent choice, downtown Atlanta, and they'll they'll embrace it uh, uh, thoroughly. No question. Uh, all right. Well, AP, thank you as always for your contributions and perspective. Great show, and enjoy doing it with you as always. Hey, John, it's always my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Look forward to next week. All right, and thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.